Latter-day Saints are familiar with Joseph Smith's account of his first vision in the year 1820. Less well-known, however, are the remarkable dreams of his father, Joseph Smith Sr. In the years leading up to his son's first vision, Joseph Smith Sr. had seven dreams in which, as he described, a messenger came to him, instructed him, and helped him prepare for what lie ahead. On today's episode, we will explore Lucy Mack Smith's account of the dreams of Joseph Sr. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. Before the organization of the church in April of 1830, Joseph Smith Sr. had never joined any particular church or congregation. His father, Samuel, had been a respected, wealthy congregationalist. But his father, Aziel, had both left his father's farm and broken off from his father's faith. Aziel read Tom Paine and became a universalist, believing that everyone, everywhere, would be saved. But when he came of age, Joseph Sr. was lost, unmoored from the influence or foundation of any church. But that's not to say he had no faith. While he didn't belong to any church, Joseph Sr. insisted on the family gathering for morning and evening prayers, and he believed in dreams. That is, that dreams could be spiritual manifestations. And beginning in the year 1811, when his son Joseph was about six years old, Joseph Sr. began having vivid, memorable dreams in which a messenger came to him and gave him instructions and prepared him for what lie ahead. These dreams would come seven times over the next few years. In her history, published in 1853, Lucy Mack recorded some of these dreams. The first came around the year 1811. Lucy Mack recorded, One night, my husband retired to his bed in a very thoughtful state of mind contemplating the situation of the Christian religion. He soon fell into a sleep, and before waking had the following vision, which I shall relate in his own words. I seemed to be traveling in an open, barren field, and as I was traveling, I turned my eyes toward the east, the west, the north, and the south, but could see nothing save dead, fallen timber. Not a vestige of life, either animal or vegetable, could be seen. Besides, to render the scene still more dreary, the most death-like silence prevailed. I was alone in this gloomy desert, with the exception of an attendant spirit who kept constantly by my side. Of him I inquired the meaning of what I saw and why I was thus traveling in such a dismal place. He answered, This field is the world, which lieth inanimate and dumb in regard to the plan of salvation. But travel on and by the wayside you will find a certain box, the contents of which, if you eat thereof, will make you wise and give you wisdom and understanding. I proceeded a short distance and came to the box. I immediately took it up, and then with eagerness I raised the lid and began to taste the contents. But no sooner had he done so than things suddenly took a dangerous turn. All manner of beasts Horned cattle and roaring animals rose up on every side in the most threatening manner, tearing the earth, tossing their horns, and bellowing most terrifically all around me. I was compelled to drop the box and fly for my life. Yet in the midst of all this, I was perfectly happy, though I awoke trembling. Later that year, the Smith family moved from Vermont to Lebanon, New Hampshire. 
After they arrived, Joseph Sr. had another memorable dream. I thought I was traveling in an open, desolate field, which appeared to be very barren. I asked myself, what motive can I have in traveling here and what place can this be? My guide, who was by my side as before, said, this is the desolate world, but travel on. Traveling a short distance further, I came to a narrow path. This path I entered, and when I had traveled a little way in it, I beheld a beautiful stream of water, which ran from the east to the west. As far as my eyes could extend, I could see a rope running along the bank about as high as a man could reach. And beyond me was a very pleasant valley, in which stood a tree such as I had never seen. It was exceedingly handsome. I looked upon it with wonder and admiration. Its beautiful branches spread themselves like an umbrella, and it bore a, a kind of fruit in a shape much like a chestnut bar, and as white as snow, or, if possible, whiter. I drew near and began to eat of it, and I found it delicious beyond description. As I was eating, I said in my heart, I cannot eat this alone, I must bring my wife and children. I went and brought my family, and we all commenced eating and praising God for the blessing. We were exceedingly happy, so much so that our joy cannot be easily expressed. I presently turned to my guide and inquired of him the meaning of the fruit that was so delicious. He told me it was the pure love of God, shed abroad in the hearts of all those who love him and keep his commandments. He then commanded me to go and bring the rest of my children. I told him we were all there. Oh no, he replied, look yonder, you have two more, and you must bring them also. Upon raising my eyes, I saw two small children standing some distance off. I immediately went to them and brought them to the tree, upon which they commenced eating with the rest, and we all rejoiced together. The more we ate, the more we seemed to desire, until we even got down upon our knees and scooped it up, eating it by double handfuls. I soon awoke, clapping my hands together for joy. After this dream, two more children did join the family of Joseph and Lucy Max Smith, Don Carlos, born in Vermont, 1816, and Lucy, born in New York in 1821. Joseph Sr. had another dream, that I was traveling on foot and I was very sick and so lame that I could hardly walk. My guide, as usual, attended me. Traveling some time together, I became so lame that I could go no further. I asked what I should do. He told me, travel on until you come to the garden. So I arose and started for this garden. By limping along with great difficulty, I finally reached the gate. On entering it, I saw the garden, beautiful beyond description filled with the most delicate flowers on every kind and color. In the garden were walks about three and a half feet wide, which were set on both sides with marble stone. One of these walks ran from the gate through the center of the garden, and on each side of this were placed six wooden images, each the size of a large man. When I came to the first, it arose and bowed to me with much deference. I then turned to the other one which sat opposite to me, and it arose and bowed in the same manner as the first. I continued turning, first to the right and then to the left, until the whole twelve had made obeisance 
after which I was entirely healed. I then asked my guide the meaning of this, but I awoke before I received an answer. Lucy also recorded the sixth dream that her husband had. In his words, I thought I was walking alone. I was much fatigued. Nevertheless, I continued traveling. It seemed to me that I was going to a meeting, that it was the day of judgment, and I was going to be judged. When I came inside of the meeting house, I saw multitudes of people coming from every direction and pressing with great anxiety toward the door of the great building. But I thought I should get there in time, hence there was no need of being in a hurry. But on arriving at the door, I found it shut. I knocked for admission, but was told by the porter that I had come too late. I felt exceedingly troubled, and I prayed earnestly for admittance. In the dream, Joseph then made a horrifying discovery. I found my flesh was perishing. I continued to pray, still my flesh withered upon my bones. I was in a state of almost total despair when the porter asked if I had done all that was necessary to receive admission. I said I, I had done all that was in my power to do. Then, he said, justice must be satisfied. After this, mercy has her claims. It then occurred to me to call upon God in the name of his son Jesus. I cried out in the agony of my soul, after which I felt considerably strengthened and began to mend. The porter, or the angel, then remarked that it was necessary to plead the merits of Jesus, the mediator between God and man. I was made quite whole, and the door was opened, but upon entering, I awoke. By the time she wrote the history of her family, Lucy Mack could not remember all the dreams that her husband had, but she remembered the last one. In the year 1819, Joseph Sr. had the seventh and final dream, which Lucy called a vision. Here's what he described. I dreamed that a man with a peddler's budget on his back came in and thus addressed me. Sir, will you trade with me today? I have now called upon you seven times and have traded with you each time. I have always found you strictly honest in your dealings. Your measures are always heaped and your weights overbalance. And I have now come to tell you that this is the last time I shall ever call upon you. And there is but one thing you lack in order to secure your salvation. As I earnestly desired to know what it was that I lacked, I requested him to write it down upon paper. He said he would do so. I then sprang to get some paper, but in my excitement, I awoke. Recounting her husband's dreams, Lucy Mack Smith believed that he was being prepared for what was to come. The guide that attended him, whether in the guise of a traveling companion, a porter, or a peddler, taught him the need to seek after truth, to trust in Jesus and the beauty of family unity, and that even in the middle of danger and fierce opposition, those who seek will find. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.